the Buffalo Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Monique Gordion, and the great news is you found the podcast, a space for stories that will arouse a smile and inspire us as we tap into our collective experiences. Enjoy. I have the pleasure of Gay Hendricks as my guest today. Now, many of you know may, may know Gay as the author of The Big Leap, Conscious Luck, his new book, The Zone of Genius, or his work in conscious relationships. Welcome, Gay. It's so good to, to meet you. Thank you. It's and, my pleasure to be with you. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Now, you've got a story for us. I don't know what that story is, uh, and I'm super keen to hear it. So pray tell. Well, I'm going to wend together a story that started when I was 24 years old mm-hmm. and then had an act two and an act three that culminated when I was 34 years old. So can I tell you a story that spans 10 years? Sure. It sounds like a hero's journey. Oh, wow. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> be here. I, I truly wouldn't be here without sure. it. I think I... Okay. So what happened? I had a lot of medical problems growing up. For one thing, I, there was something wrong with my glandial, glandular system. Mm-hmm. And so I gained weight very easily. Like during the first year of my life, I became one of those really fat babies that you sometimes mm-hmm. see pictures of. And they, so they took me around to different specialists and medical people and everything to try to figure out what was wrong with me. But I could never get it handled. I was put on a bunch of different drugs. I became a a fat elementary school Mm -hmm. kid and then a fat junior high kid. (laughs) Um, And so obesity was a big issue. And until I was 24 years old, and then an event happened that changed my entire life. And it actually caused me to lose a hundred pounds in the course of a year. (laughs) Wow. Anybody that wants to lose a few pounds, listen up, because I've got a I've got a doozy of a story. So by the time 24 years old, I'd really boxed myself in. I was in an unhappy relationship with a woman I'd been with for a couple of years, but I was trying to get out of the relationship, but I literally did not have enough money to get a different room or an apartment or anything like that. I was really broke. Yeah. And I was in a job that uh, didn't inspire me. And I was also, you know, I was 100 pounds overweight and I smoked heavily. I was uh, puffing away on two or three packs of cigarettes a day. So in other words, I was heading for disaster. Yeah, yeah. And my father had died when he was 32 years old. He was also obese and maybe I inherited the gene from him or something. And he smoked heavily and all that. 32, that's young, really young. Yeah, I think I was just heading pell-mell for that direction. Mm. So I went out for a walk one afternoon and here's where the magic happens. Mm, I went out for, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I went out for a walk. Uh, It was a winter afternoon and I wanted to clear my head after a big argument with uh, the woman I was with at the time. Mm. And so I went out for a walk and it had recently snowed and the snow had covered over an ice, a patch of ice on the road. And so I'm walking down this country road in the middle of New Hampshire, nobody around. 
and my feet shot out from under me. I stepped on this icy place and my feet shot out from under me and I went whoomp down on my back and I didn't knock myself out unconscious. Uh, I had what I call an out of Hendrix experience. I, I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> not the Jimi Hendrix experience, but the out of Hendrix experience. And uh, so uh, what happened was, I, I think it was, it just shocked me out of my normal version mm. of myself. Mm. And for the next couple of minutes, I could see, it was as if I could see down through all the layers of myself that I'd never seen before. Like I, I saw that underneath all of this fat was a whole bunch of feelings that I'd never allowed myself to feel, you know, like sadness and anger and fear and uh, sexual feelings I'd never acknowledged. And this so, is all lying on the ice. This all lying on the ice. Oh. Yeah, I'm lying on I'm <laughs> flat on my back, and it, it was like it was almost like I was knocked out, but I was still conscious, you know. Yeah. And wow. so I I could feel all of this um, inside me for the mm. first time, you know. Mm -hmm. And 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 then suddenly I came across this other thing. That's really where life changed. Mm -hmm. I could feel how down at the bottom of all of my feelings and all of the sensation in my body was this thing I call pure consciousness. It mm. was like this ocean or sky of pure consciousness behind everything. Mm. And that if we could feel that all the time, we would know we were both connected to ourselves mm -hmm. and connected to the universe around us. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, uh, it was a spiritual experience. And yeah. I think it, that it was the first time I ever really thought of myself as a spiritual person, but I could feel how that that pure consciousness was everywhere in all of us. Mm. And it was the same in you as the same mm. in me. And it was the place that we can unify ourselves by mm. acknowledging that level of ourselves. That's quite and a, quite a, a download really that it awareness. was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, the, and it all happened in a couple of minutes. Mm. And after a few minutes, I, I began to feel my old personality kind of coming back and I could feel mm. that I wanted a cigarette and I knew I was going to have to walk back home. And, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. and, Spiral. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, but here's where the magic happened. Okay. I suddenly realized the big thing I wanted in life was to feel that pure consciousness all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I made a commitment, kind of like to, to the universe around me. I said, I commit to doing whatever it takes to feeling that all the time. Yeah. And that commitment really changed my life because mm -hmm. I did. I went back home to the same apartment and everything and the same crappy job. But in a way, everything had changed because I could now see that my path in life was to clear those things out of the way mm. so I could feel that pure consciousness all of the time. Mm. And so then now I want to extend the story because okay. over, over the next year, I lost a hundred pounds. And by the way, I'm about six feet tall uh, and I uh, weigh about 180 pounds. So I look tall and athletic now. 
but with that hundred extra pounds on me, I looked like a pear. So sure. over the next year, I went from a pear body to an athlete body uh -huh. by uh, practicing this pure consciousness okay. technique. When I would get hungry, mm. I would think, okay, is the food I'm about to eat going to feed my pure consciousness? Or is it going to make me feel like I'm in my old 300 pound body? Wow. And so by continuing to live in that question, over the next year, I started eating apples rather than cheeseburgers. Ooh. And okay. I started eating blueberries rather than a bowl of ice cream. And I started to crave things that were mm. natural and organic and mm. uh, didn't come in a box or, a, you know, yeah. like before, before I started, before I had this experience, I used to live on cheeseburgers, French fries, fish and chips, vanilla milk, milkshakes. Uh, I don't know what they call those down in your part of the world, but uh, yeah. up here it's ice cream mixed up with some uh, oh, we, milk. Very, yeah, very we milk. call that a thick shake. A thick shake. Because yes. it's thick, but it's a shake. <laughs> and it also, it makes you thick if you uh, ah, yes. eat, uh, eat a lot of <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So, um, so I became a different person. I also lost the need to wear eyeglasses. Oh, I could pass really? my driving test for the first time in my life. Wow. I got out of the difficult relationship. And the reason I want to start it in when I was 24 and end it um, 10 years later is because I had this long period of being single and kind of working on myself and I didn't really want to get into any kind of close relationships because I'd had such a bad experience mm. before. Mm. But when I was 34, I realized, okay, I'm ready. Oh, yes. I, I, I want a woman in my life. Gaze so on the I, town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and again, if, if any of your single uh, listeners that want a great, how to, how to create a relationship, listen mm. to this. It took me an hour. I sat down on the floor. I always like to sit down kind of cross-legged on a cushion when I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down cross-legged cushion on the floor, meditated for a little while. And then I said, okay, what do I really want mm -hmm. in a relationship? Mm -hmm. And I came up with three big things that I wanted. One was I wanted a relationship where both people were emotionally honest with mm -hmm. each other. And that seemed to be to be a real key to it, yeah. you know, where I could tell a person, hey, I feel angry, or they could say, hey, I felt hurt by that, you know, yeah. that we could be open in our communication. Yes. The second thing, I wanted to be in a relationship where both people could take responsibility for things that came up instead of always blaming and criticizing the other person and fighting about whose fault it was. Mm -hmm. I was realizing it doesn't matter whose fault anything is you know you just need to sit down and work it out you yeah. know uh, and and to get away from the blame game that was important yeah. to me mm -hmm. and the third thing i wanted was i wanted a woman in my life who is as dedicated to her creativity her creative path as i am to mine i'm mm -hmm. a writer i sit down every day just about in my life and i write for an hour or two and and you were writing at that time as well mm -hmm. yes yeah. i wrote uh more like textbooks and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but as I got more aware, I started mm -hmm. writing books like uh, 
well, later on, I wrote The Big Leap. But in mm. my early days, I was more interested in uh, things like self-esteem, like mm. learning to love yourself. Mm. Um, so I wanted somebody who was really dedicated to their creativity. So I kind of said to the universe again, I just said it out loud. Here's what I want. <laughs> and I named those three things. And I said, if it's not in the cards for me to have that, okay, I'll be happy to be by myself, but I'm not going to settle for less. Don't send me anything that's less than what I want. Oh my God. Um, that is fantastic. Oh, yeah. We're all listening and, out there, our single girls and boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, and I also had a couple of things that I didn't want. I said to the universe, mm -hmm. don't send me any more addicts. Oh. I, I, grew, I grew up in a family of addicts and my mother, and, and I think I had taken a picture in my mind that loving somebody means you need to save them from their addiction. And I'd set up relationships mm -hmm. from the time I was 18 till the time I was 30 with people who had a problem that I then would help them solve, you know, <laughs> what a ridiculous idea that was. Sure. But, uh, it was based on that old, I think probably based on that old thing of trying to save my mother. Mm -hmm. And so um, the uh, thing that happened though, after the next month, I walked into a room and I saw this incredible, beautiful woman uh, there was probably about 50 or 60 people in the room, but it was like she lit up like a Christmas tree on the other side of the room. And I thought, that's the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen in my life. I got to figure out how to go have a conversation with her. <laughs> Interestingly enough, she came over to talk to me. Mm. And so I had this great conversation with her where I said, um, I'd like to ask you out for a cup of coffee. But I got to let you know that I just had this big rev revelation about the three things I really want in relationship. And let me tell you what they are. And so I just named them off the honesty thing, wow. the taking responsibility and the creativity thing. And I said, on those terms, would you like to go have a cup of coffee with me? <laughs> that's, that's being authentic, right? Really? <laughs> Totally. totally. And I don't know where, I don't know where I got the courage to say that, but it just like came out of my wow. mouth. That's and your, that's your heart desire. Just leaping from you, right? Yeah. Leaping out brave, very brave. And then, and then Kathleen, my, my wife, we call her Katie around the house. Um, she said, she came back with, well, how about lunch? And so she took it even to the next level. And so uh, if you'd like to know what the magic lunch was, it was uh, yes. uh, deviled egg sandwiches. Uh, I don't know. Do you have deviled eggs down there? It's, yes, uh, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. good. Um, I didn't, uh, I've, I've not been to Australia. I've been to New Zealand, uh, but I don't remember any uh, deviled eggs over or deviled eggs as they would call them over there. <laughs> well, it's kind of an old fashioned uh, sort of food that deviled eggs. Yes. It's sort of I remember my mother making deviled eggs. Yes, but I'm sure people still make them. But you know, well, my anyway. wife makes fabulous deviled eggs because, oh. um, well, she's had 40 years now to perfect it, and <laughs> I. So about every uh, every other week or so, she'll get a dozen eggs down at the farmers market and make up a batch of deviled eggs for me because <laughs> it's kind of like my favorite food. That's my, my long-winded story about how, how a 300-pound guy fell on his back on the ice and ended up 
being married to the woman of his dreams for 40 years. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That's a beautiful story and very encouraging, very encouraging on so many levels. Thank you for that story. So where did you go from there, Gay? Like, how did you end up writing books and traveling and speaking? And I believe Katie and yourself used to or still do run relationship, conscious relationship Mm -hmm. workshops. And, I mean, there's a lot of strings to your bow from, you know, that falling on the ice, right? Yes. Well, it became a passion in my life to help first myself live out my true potential. Mm. Um, After I had the experience on the ice, I had another magical story. Can I fit another one in here? Oh, we have time. Yes, we have time, please. Well, Well, right after that experience on the ice, I got a real boost from a most unusual source. A friend of mine named Neil Marinello called me up one afternoon Mm -hmm. and said that he was coming up near my house to where one of his old Harvard professors was giving a talk. Um, And did I want to come with him? And Mm -hmm. I said, well, tell me more about it. And he said, well, one of my favorite professor at Harvard in psychology uh, was a professor uh, named Dr. Alpert, Richard Alpert. And he's gone to India and had some kind of enlightenment experience and has come back and I want to hear what he's got to say. And so it sounded interesting. So I uh, went with Neil up the road to where um, I walked in the door and who it was, was the person who had come to be called Ramdas. And he had just come back from India and he had his robes on and um, had all these disciples around him, all these young boys and girls, and they were offering fruit to us and everything. And it was kind of crazy because I didn't know anything about yoga or meditation or anything like that at the time. I've since become a long-term meditator and you know do yoga practices and things like that. But at the time, you know, I'd been an English major in college. I didn't mm. know about this whole psychology and spirituality stuff. Sure. And so but Ramdas talked for three hours without any notes. Wow. And I was just blown away by that. And afterwards I went over and I said, where are you getting this stuff from? <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he showed me a picture of his guru that he'd been with. And, but he said, it's more like you get on a wavelength. He said, I just tune in inside and then I start talking and I'm surprised as you are about what comes out. That was a strange thing to hear, yeah, you know, because I, yeah. uh, I worked at the time in a school for juvenile delinquents. And uh, even though these are kind of like the, uh, you know, the wild and crazy kids from the streets of Boston, uh, I always went in with my notes, you know, and had my lesson plan and everything yeah. with them. So the idea of talking for three hours without notes was wow, kind of unthinkable. Yeah. Uh, but um, I asked Ramdas, I said, look, I may never see you again. It turned out I met him many times in my life, but I said, I may never see you again. Could you just kind of look, look at me, my 300 pound body? And I just had this experience and I told him about the ice experience. Uh-huh. And I said, what would you recommend that I do? And he said, well, over here, you might go to therapy, but in India, you might do some yoga or breathing activities and you might especially learn to meditate. And I said, well, where would I learn something like that? 
And he did this funny thing. He kind of flicked his hand and he said, oh, don't worry. Something will come to you. You know, it sounded very <laughs> mystical. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> I went to the supermarket to buy some food and I was in the checkout line standing there with my little cart. And I looked to my left and there was a book called Yoga, Youth and Reincarnation by Jess Stern. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this is the year of 1969 we're talking about. And paperback books back then cost either 65 cents uh-huh. or 95 cents. Yeah. That was at the time when gas cost 25 cents a, a gallon. And so <clears throat> long time ago, but mm-hmm. I just snatched that book off the thing and took mm. it home. And what it was, was all yoga postures, breathing <laughs> practices, yoga, uh, meditation, all of those kinds of things. Amazing. And I just took it home that afternoon <laughs> and started doing it one after the other. Wow. And by midnight, when I got to the meditation chapter, I went right away into that space that I had to fall on the ice to find. So I realized, wow, I can get there by just meditating, you know, and mm. that was that was a magic moment for me, realizing I didn't have to and, throw myself down. And less painful, right? <laughs> yeah, much less painful. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, serendipity. I remember, uh, can I just share something with you? Sure. I was, I'd had a long uh, relationship with God, but more in the, you know, Christian sort of background. And I, I let that go because for various reasons, um, but I really missed having a relationship with God. And, and I, I was at a retreat, actually, a fasting retreat in Thailand. And I said to God, look, we haven't spoken for a while, but I want to have a relationship with you again, but I just don't know how. And I don't really like that picture of you that I used to have, you know, that mm-hmm. idea of God. So that was it. And then I was at this retreat and I saw a book. And it said, uh, it was by Deepak Chopra, and it said, um, uh, Sarah and Destiny. And I picked it up, and it was all about God as energy and quantum physics. And and I went, oh, yes, this is a God I can, you know, this is a much broader, wider, deeper sort of spirituality than the narrow way that I had known before. And so I really relate to your story with the picking up of the book and the serendipity of how these th- ask and you shall receive, right? Yeah, well, I found that to be absolutely true. Mm. And in the genius zone in my new book. Oh, yes, please. A, a, Can you tell us about this new book? Oh, oh yes. It's the sequel to The Big Leap. So oh. uh, if uh, people yeah. are going to read them, read them read the big leap first and then jump off into the genius zone because it kind of takes takes things to a a new level. Well, anyway, what I was going to say is the genius Mm. zone really talks about a key issue, which is the big leap shows you how to get into your genius zone. Mm. But what you have to do is master a few moves that I call the genius moves that are about how to live in that genius zone every day. Mm -hmm. But one thing, remember how I talked about how my commitment to bringing forth my pure consciousness changed everything? Uh, Well, the first thing I talk about in the new book Mm -hmm. is how to make a commitment 
that brings forth your genius every day. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple. You can just try this on right this moment. Try on this idea. Mm -hmm. I commit to bringing forth more and more of my genius every day of my life. Just making a commitment. Mm. You don't need to know how to do it. In fact, mm. you can't know how to do it because mm. the commitment brings it forth. You can't say, well, I'll wait till I'm in my genius zone. And then if I like it, okay, I'll make a commitment to it. You got to be like a farmer or a gardener where the gardener goes out yes. and waters the field and plants the field. And mm. then the garden comes forth. Mm. You never have, have a gardener that goes out there and says, Okay, vegetables, give me your stuff. And then maybe I'll give you some water if I like what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way to plant the seed is through the power of commitment. So if you want to start getting more into your genius, simply make a big open hearted, mm. <clears throat> open -hearted commitment to it. Mm. Um, I always say that the longest journey any human being ever takes is 12 inches from their head down to their heart. Mm. And if you get your head and your heart in alignment, mm. you're unstoppable. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I think that's just the perfect way to end this podcast. Uh, Sounds good to me. Perfect, perfect. Well, podcast listeners, I mean, what a treat we've had today. And I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to be with me today and all of us on the Buffalo podcast. So until next time, listeners, go well, live in joy. Ciao.